You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. A car exploded into flames lighting up a Chilliwack neighborhood over the long weekend and it was no accident. Surveillance cameras catching at least two suspects running away and the damage was extensive. Rumina Dea has more on where it happened and why residents are frustrated with RCMP. There's people trying to get out of there. Neighbors thought the explosions were Canada Day fireworks. Papa, stay back! Until they witnessed the flames and heard the screams. She says, help me, help me, and I go, and I picked up the phone right away, dialed 911, and then I run with the phone to the front of the house and I see the two vehicles in the driveway just exploding, popping, panic in the street. A family of four inside, including two young daughters, 14 and 8, fast asleep when three cars on their driveway erupted in flames. Fire and smoke and just fire. Like, I just thought, like, you know, this is the end or something. It's just, it was scary. Mom and daughter want their identities protected because they are terrified. Are you worried for your family's safety? Yes, I, I couldn't sleep the whole night. I'm going upstairs, downstairs, one room, other room. A fifth person also apparently ran for his life. An Airbnb guest from Abbotsford who was renting the main floor for one night. The homeowner questioning whether the renter and his friends could have been targeted. Witnesses say multiple people came and went through the night. Surveillance video shows two people running away moments after the first explosion. I can't allow them to stay in my home. But they said, no, they can stay. So the police let, said they can go back into yeah, the unit. Yeah, they allowed. The only thing Chilliwack RCMP will say is that the fire is suspicious. No information on suspects, potential motive. Police say they can't comment. Someone came and burned my house and car and family. They don't care about that. I don't have any inquiry from police side. I don't have any call back from police side. The homeowner, not the only one who's upset. The entire neighborhood frustrated with the lack of information from police. They should actually take it a little more seriously. They should just not wipe their hands clean, walk away. No answers, no arrests. The victims say they feel helpless and unsafe. Ramina Dea, Global News. RCMP need your help identifying three men believed to be involved in a violent home invasion in Coquitlam last year. Take a look. RCMP releasing composite drawings of two of the three suspects. In February of 2018, police were called to a home on Poirier Street near Eden Avenue. A family of three was at home when the suspects tried to break in. Two fought back, sustaining minor injuries, and then the suspects took off. The victims are not known to police. Anyone who recognizes the suspects from these drawings or has any more information is asked to contact the RCMP. An aggressive fire in Surrey has forced two families from their homes and damaged several others. Nadia Stewart explains why it spread so quickly and what investigators know about a potential cause. We still do not know what caused this fire at a Surrey home early Tuesday morning, but we do know just how destructive it was and how much worse it could have been. When I came out through my back door, embers were everywhere. Just before 1.30 Tuesday morning, the call came in. A home in the 5800 block of 138th Street was on fire. There ended up being five homes impacted by this fire. The original one is uh, pretty much a total loss, the one that was fully involved when crews arrived on scene. The original house, uh, the heat spread to three homes to the rear. 
it melted the siding and actually broke the windows in two of those houses. Neighbors quickly went door to door making sure everyone was safe. For the family who used to call this place home, they never imagined their Canada Day celebrations would end like this. They'd gone to Cloverdale for the Canada Day celebrations and uh, unfortunately when they came back their house was uh, is destroyed. They've been put up in a hotel by way of emergency support services. Meanwhile, the rest of the neighborhood is still reeling from the sight of a massive blaze that could have been even more destructive than it already was. It's really lucky that it didn't spread further than it did. We had wind going from south to north which there was embers blowing for a block away here and we're really fortunate that there wasn't five or six houses that were involved like fully involved in fire. The cause of the fire is under investigation. Nadia Stewart, Global News. And there's more tonight from a refugee family from South Sudan who lost everything when their Surrey townhouse went up in flames yesterday morning. The fire is believed to have started in their garage. Thankfully, alert neighbors ran to help, and the nine-year-old boy who lived in the burning home got everyone out. The family, who escaped South Sudan during the Civil War before fleeing to Canada, is heartbroken to lose their home. I was trying to follow them through the main door, but I couldn't. The flames all over the doors and the smoke and all of us, so... I decided to find my way from the back and I jumped and I came out and I reunited them in a septic area. The family was treated for smoke inhalation and is now staying in emergency housing in a nearby hotel. They lost everything in the fire and unfortunately did not have insurance for their personal belongings. So friends have started a GoFundMe page to try to help the family. Well, despite recent backlash against plans to establish a municipal police force in Surrey, Mayor Doug McCallum is getting some high-profile support tonight. Temple leaders in Surrey say it's the right decision for the city and their community. Tanya Beja has more on what they're doing to encourage a faster transition. Standing side by side, leaders of Surrey Sikh and Hindu communities plead for a municipal police force to tackle the crime plaguing their city. It's very unusual for the South Asian community across uh, Sikh temples, even the Hindu temple now, to come together in, with such unity. In a letter to BC's public safety minister, they write Surrey's South Asian population is regularly and disproportionately impacted by the violence and they are tired of living in fear. You see the violence increasing, you see more youth involved with gang activity, you see more innocent bystanders impacted. Surrey police will deliver strategic solutions to local challenges. The city laid out its case for a municipal force in a transition report, but Public Safety Minister Mike Farnworth says there are questions about IT and staffing, and he won't make a decision until those are resolved. This is not going to be done to an artificial deadline or because someone says it must be done by this date. It's going to be done when the work is done, the analysis is done, and it's going to be done properly. Surrey Mayor Doug McCallum rode to victory on his pledge to create a new police force. Jonathan Ross once worked with the mayor, but says McCallum didn't influence the temple's decision to speak out. Absolutely not, and I haven't spoken to the mayor at, at all. I haven't spoken to him generally since, uh, I believe, 2014. You, with the greatest of pleasure, you can say. Their letter comes as another group is rallying to keep the RCMP in Surrey, but temple leaders say they want public safety under the city's control. All decisions must be made inside the city, not back from from the Ottawa. And they're fed up with the delays. So I want to say, you know, like I'm requesting the minister to act fast to make the decision. 
That decision, community leaders say, will have a significant impact on their votes in the next provincial election. Tanya Beja, Global News. The 30 cars, including a couple of so-called supercars, were busted for speeding in Vancouver over the long weekend. The VPD tweeting these photos of a blue McLaren and a green Dodge Challenger allegedly traveling more than twice the posted speed limit over the Granville Street Bridge. The McLaren was clocked at 130 kilometers an hour, the Challenger at 125. Those cars, among 10, busted for excessive speeding and impounded. An important traffic alert about a disruption for drivers along 12th Avenue in Vancouver. The city is undertaking an urgent water main replacement and they're closing 12th Avenue from Kingsway to Fraser. Construction began this morning and is expected to wrap up by Labor Day. The existing water main was installed in the early 1900s and is in critical condition following a series of recent leaks. And starting tomorrow, the 30-year-old Carolyn Bridge, located about 25 kilometers north of Hope, will be undergoing repair work, and that will cause delays along a section of the Coquihalla Highway. The work will require lane closures. Motorists are being advised to expect delays of up to 30 minutes. The job is expected to last until the end of October. A new report seems to blow up the theory that liquefied natural gas is a cleaner form of energy. It claims that the LNG industry is just as bad for climate change as any other fossil fuel. And that is not what the provincial NDP wants to hear with a massive stake in the industry. Ted Chernecki explains. When coal was king in those dark days of billowing black smoke, it was hard to think of anything that polluted more. And yes, over the years, coal-fired energy has cleaned up its act, but still holds the unenviable title of the world's dirtiest energy. So it's a little surprising when a new report comes out suggesting liquid natural gas is the next coal. We're building a new fossil infrastructure uh, that will carry us through mid-century. And the climate scientists are saying we need to get off fossil fuels entirely by mid-century. The problem is how much LNG could be coming. The report's suggesting there are more than a hundred major projects in the works worldwide, the vast majority of them in North America. And liquefying natural gas requires a lot of energy. But supporters of the industry disagree with the report's dim view. The demand for natural gas is only going to increase over the next 20 to 30 years. Natural gas is part of the solution. On the flip side, BC's climate change professor turned leader of the Green Party, Andrew Weaver, says this new report is exactly what he's been saying for years. The natural gas reserves are so massive in BC that there's a real temptation to make LNG the mainstay of energy, like coal once was. The natural gas that we talk about here in BC is anything but clean. It requires horizontal fracking, requires use of vast quantities of water. Uh, The fugitive emissions are much higher than they've been estimated in the past. And we know that you can't get credit for shipping gas to China under any mechanism. Fugitive emissions is the methane that leaks all along any LNG supply line. The report suggests that leakage is much higher than previously thought. Then again, supporters of LNG need only point to China and India, where time has long run out to rid their worlds of coal. Ted Chernecki, Global News. And Keith Baldry joins us now to talk more about LNG and why this really does make strange political (laughs) bedfellows, Keith. 
Yeah, LNG crosses and blurs party lines, Chris, both uh, provincially and federally. So here in B.C., the B.C. NDP and the B.C. Liberals on the same page, both strong proponents and backers of the LNG industry. The Greens are notable opponents to it. Federally, the Conservatives and the Liberals, big proponents of LNG. The Greens are firmly against it. And this is where it gets interesting. The federal NDP seems to have shifted its position under pressure from some of their candidates, such as Sven Robinson, to come out against the LNG project in B.C., even though the provincial NDP uh, firmly supports Supports it. A schism that Andrew Weaver picked up on when I talked to him. He says, well, basically, the NDP in BC and federally are the same party. They can't have it both ways. Here's Andrew Weaver. The federal NDP and the BC NDP are one and the same party. The policy for the federal NDP and the provincial NDP are one and the same. It is one party. The federal Greens and BC Greens are different parties. The federal Liberals and BC Liberals are different parties. The federal Conservatives, the BC Conservatives are different parties. That is not the case with the NDP. So Mr. Singh is at odds with Mr. Horgan because you can't have it both ways. What they're trying to do is be both all things to all people and in the end are being absolutely everything to absolutely nobody. So poll after poll, Chris, shows that uh, the Greens and the NDP are fighting for the same pool of voters. And the Greens are nipping at the Democrats' heels. Look for this uh, issue to be exploited by the Greens come the next election. When I asked Andrew Weaver about that, he literally rubbed his hands in glee saying, you bet we're going to raise this as a major issue to go after the NDP in the fall campaign. All right, we'll watch for that. Thanks very much, Keith. Right now, though, a warning for dog owners tonight not to leave your pet unattended for any length of time. According to one animal welfare group, it appears there has been a recent uptick in dog thefts in Metro Vancouver. Catherine Urquhart has more on what they believe is being done with these dogs. When 19-month-old Luke was stolen near Main and 15th back in February, his owners were devastated. We just went to save for two. Fortunately, Luke was recovered. Other owners not always so lucky. And now a rescue society claims dog thefts in Vancouver are increasing. The dogs are being stolen at an escalating rate in the Lower Mainland, and I mean daily now. The Thank Dog I Am Out Society just released this PSA. This has required myself and our volunteers to search through the Vancouver downtown east side and all through the lower mainland, desperately trying to find dogs that have been stolen from outside coffee shops, food shops, and backyards with locks. Vancouver police say they are not aware of a recent increase in dog thefts in Vancouver and have no information to suggest that dog thefts are a chronic issue here in the city. Susan Patterson believes otherwise. She's urging vigilance. Please do not leave your dog unattended anywhere. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. Meantime, the BC SPCA has seized 10 adult servals and three serval kittens from a breeder just outside Kamloops. The SPCA was alerted to the breeder after receiving complaints of sick and injured animals being sold. Servals are an exotic cat and require extensive space to run and a very specialized diet. All of them were found in distress, living in horrific conditions without access to the outdoors or exercise. Servals are not included in the provincial controlled alien species legislation, which means their breeding is unregulated. Charges of animal cruelty will be recommended. Well, summer is here, and for many of us, that means travel, but it should also mean insurance. That's right. Are you adequately protected, and how do you choose the right policy? Oh, I don't know the answer <laughs> to those questions, but thankfully our Consumer Matters reporter, Andrew, is here. I hope you have 
yes. <laughs> travel health insurance when yeah, you well, yes, leave the I country. Well, yes, now that you're going to Yes, I trust Listen the people closely. who sold it to me. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Chris. A recent survey by the Travel Health Insurance Association of Canada found that almost half of respondents, 47% say checking their travel insurance policy is the last thing they do when planning a trip, and that could spell financial disaster if something goes wrong. If you get sick or hurt outside the country, your provincial health plan might cover only a very small portion or nothing at all. So how do you choose the right policy? Well, industry experts say consider your medical conditions or pre-existing conditions when buying insurance and make sure you have the right amount of coverage for the condition you have. Also, take a close look at the certificate of insurance. It contains information on types and limits of coverage and should tell you if there are any exclusions related to a medical condition or pre-existing condition. Now, when it comes to traveling within Canada, provincial coverage will pay for some things but not everything. One of the things that we think about when we think about universal health care is that we're going to get covered no matter where we are uh, within the, in the country. And, and to a certain extent, there are what we call reciprocal insurance agreements between the provinces. Unfortunately, they're not going to cover you for all of the types of things related to an emergency, a medical emergency that you've got. So, for instance, ambulance care. Um, you might need an air ambulance to get you from a remote location where you're enjoying your vacation uh, back to a major center where you're going to get looked after. That wouldn't be covered. Uh, the cost of prescription drugs, if you, uh, if you have that um, where it's prescribed after your, uh, your, your discharge from the medical facility, also not covered. So one of the things you can buy is uh, a travel within Canada policy. Uh, they're very inexpensive because most of the services, again, are covered. But it's certainly important, particularly as we think about the summer months and a lot of the travel within Canada that uh, that's going to take place. So when it comes to travel insurance of any kind, make sure you understand the policy, terms and conditions, and any restrictions or requirements. Ask plenty of questions. The Canadian government travel website recommends getting a written agreement that your pre-existing medical condition is covered, or you could find your claim null and void under a pre-existing condition clause. For more information, check out the Canadian government website at travel.gc.com. CA. It's a great resource of information. And if you have a consumer issue for me, there's my email at consumermatters at globalnews.ca. All right, Anne. Thank you, Anne. Well, remember the Volkswagen diesel emission scandal? It's supposed to be resolved by now with the automaker buying vehicles back in one of the largest class action settlements ever. But as Global Sean O'Shea reports, at least one VW owner was left out. He says through no fault of his own. It keeps me up at night sleeping, thinking, why do I still have this car? Mario Basta is talking about this 2010 Volkswagen Jetta TDI, a car Volkswagen agreed to buy back, part of a monumental class action settlement after the automaker admitted to rigging software to cheat government emissions tests. In his case, Basta was entitled to $8,800 for the car. After doing the paperwork last fall, he just needed to bring the car to a dealership for a mandatory appointment. It kicked me out. It said there was no appointments available. With a December 30th deadline looming, Basta says he tried phoning and booking online with Rice Point, which administered the class action settlement. By December 11th, I finally got through, 
they told me there was no appointments available within a 300-kilometer range. He and his wife say they were told the whole process had to be completed by the end of the month. By now, he was out of luck. Boss's wife says she found a VW dealer prepared to handle the vehicle inspection in time. But they say Rice Point refused. It kind of sounded like they were upset that I found a place to bring the car in an appointment and they couldn't. And they wouldn't approve it. VW told us in a statement it emailed to class members in October of 2018, alerting them to the importance of not waiting until December to book their appointments. The co-lead lawyer for the plaintiffs told us he spoke to the Basta family and committed to take steps to see if the presiding judge in the case will review their situation and determine if they should be entitled to some form of relief. I'm done with the whole headache of having a Volkswagen. I want my money back for the car. Mm, to be continued. Mm -hmm. He went in, he rammed the car, and then he came back out, he rammed that. Uh, Anna, it was crazy. A 51-year-old Quebec man is accused of stealing a backhoe and going on a destructive rampage in the community of Saint-Thérèse. Cars and homes were damaged and two police officers were injured when they intervened. The suspect faces multiple charges, including vandalism, theft and driving under the influence. Police and residents say the man is homeless. A shocking discovery in a London garden, and even more shocking is the story behind it. Police were called to a home in South London on Sunday after a man's body was discovered there. Investigators traced the body to a Kenya Airlines Nairobi to London flight and determined the man had been a stowaway who had probably fallen from the landing gear. A bag and some personal items were found once the plane landed. The migrant crisis along the southern U.S. border is blowing up again tonight with explosive new allegations. The latest condemnation coming with pictures of what some are calling inhumane conditions. Shut it down! From South Florida... We must defund ICE and CBP! ...to New Mexico, to Northern California... Today, protests erupted across the country, demanding the closure of migrant detention centers. These newly released pictures from a government watchdog report show the extent of overcrowding. Senior managers at several facilities raise security concerns, one describing a ticking time bomb. Members of the Congressional Hispanic Caucus, all Democrats, just toured migrant detention centers here in Texas. Congressman Joaquin Castro tweeting out these images, even though he was told not to bring in phones. You can see women sitting on the floor with blankets, one saying she didn't have medicine. Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez called the conditions unconscionable. These women were being told by CBP officers to drink out of the toilet. Border Patrol officials push back, calling the accusations completely untrue, adding there are ample supplies. The debate heating up as a bombshell report by ProPublica details a private Border Patrol Facebook group mocking migrants and making crude jokes about throwing burritos at members of Congress. That was a vulgar, disgusting, and vile page. NBC News has not independently verified the Facebook group, but in a written statement, Customs and Border Protection calls the post completely inappropriate, adding any employees found to have violated our standards of conduct will be held accountable. The Border Patrol is facing an unprecedented surge of migrants being apprehended. 144,000 just in May, the highest monthly total in 13 years. This 12-year-old interviewed by her lawyer says she couldn't bathe and was given little food. Some heart-stopping footage from an Australian transit system as a warning to parents during school holidays. And we'll tell you right off the top, 
The story does have a happy ending. At the center of the screen, security video shows a young child falling into the gap between a train and the platform as witnesses wave at the train's driver not to pull away. They are able to pull the young boy back onto the platform and it's believed he wasn't seriously injured. This happened earlier this year, but Sydney Trains chose to release the video now as a reminder to always keep an eye on small children. Nike has pulled a new sneaker from the market after one of its most controversial spokesmen objected to it. The back of the shoe features an early American flag with 13 white stars in a circle. It's named after Betsy Ross, a Philadelphia upholsterer and flag maker. Former NFL star and current Nike spokesman Colin Kaepernick sent the company a letter saying he and others found the shoe offensive because of the flag's ties to American slavery. Nike pulled the shoe, but that jacked the price up to about $2,000 a pair on a resale website before it was pulled from that site as well. In Health Matters tonight, you don't often hear the words senior citizens and gymnastics together, but a new government-funded program aims to change that. As Linda Aylesworth reports, the province wants to send seniors on the path to better health through an obstacle course. We're just going to do toe taps on the foam first. Working on that balance. Sounds easy, right? Tapping a little square of foam rubber with your foot? That's what Winifred thought. I thought, that's no problem. I can do that. That's easy. Then I found out I, I couldn't do it. Uh, and I thought, goodness, what's happened to me? Time is what happened to Winifred and all the members of Delta Gymnastics Seniors Can Move program, many of whom joined up for the same reason. Older people have more problems with balance than anything else. They lose their balance, fall downstairs. I am a perfect example of that. So is 90-something-year-old Ralph Crawford. I've fallen a few times in the past year, and I don't want to fall anymore. The goal here, since the Seniors Can Move program began a year ago, to restore agility, balance, coordination and strength, the ABCs of fall prevention, and then some. I learned to jump. It never occurred to me that I could not jump at this age. Sadly, in spite of its success, the program had to shut down in January when its federal funding ran out. Enter the Provincial Health Ministry. We announced today $150,000 over the next two years to, to build out the programs, but also to uh, use this program as a model for other programs. It will allow us to share our knowledge and expertise with other gymnastics facilities in the province. And it will allow them to offer the program free of charge, which means there'll be no financial barriers separating seniors from what they want to do and what they can do. This is a big world. There's an awful lot to see in it and an awful lot to do. And I've got far too much to do to sit down and look at a TV all day. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. <laughs> You're watching Global News Hour at 6. The creation of a controversial National Park Reserve in the South Okanagan Similkameen is one step closer to reality with today's signing of what's being called an historic agreement. But as Global's Shelby Tom reports, today's news conference was crashed by critics who still don't want the park. The sign 
signing of the Tripartite Memorandum of Understanding, symbolic of another step towards the establishment of a national park reserve in the South Okanagan Similkameen. The Federal Environment Minister making the announcement in a use, the MOU providing a framework for negotiations to begin on a formal agreement. The proposed boundary is also confirmed, encompassing 273 square kilometres of Crown private and provincially protected land. But it remains a polarizing issue with 41% of respondents to a Parks Canada survey saying they have outstanding concerns about restricted access to the land, an unsustainable increase in tourism and park fees. We don't want it overrun with um, tourists that come from another country that don't care. This will never be Banff. It'll never be Yellowstone. This is a small national park and a small town area. The news conference. Briefly interrupted by protesters prompting Louis' condemnation. That's embarrassing. Well, don't say it. An interaction highlighting the divisiveness the park proposal has caused for decades. I was trying to keep my cool and I'm sorry if I disrespected anybody by my comments outbursts, but... uh, It's just really hard to take, hard pill to swallow. But the park isn't a done deal. Today kicks off negotiations on a final agreement and legislation will have to be voted on by Parliament, meaning the final decision and creation of a new national park is likely several years away. Shelby Tom, Global News. You could only see it live in Chile and Argentina, but after the forecast, we'll show you today's total solar eclipse. Always amazing. All right, meteorologist Yvonne Schell is with us with some pretty dark-looking clouds out there. Ominous-looking clouds. For the eclipse, you need very clear skies. Uh, We didn't have that opportunity. Uh, But for us, it is dark out there. We started off with rainfall this morning. It was soggy. uh, But we are going to see an improvement, and I'll show you when in just a moment. Temperatures are sitting at 19 out of the airport, a southeasterly wind at 19 kilometers per hour. But it was fantastic last night. I wanted to show you this quick shot that was taken downtown of the fireworks. We had dry conditions, and it was a mainly clear sky. Now, here's a glance at what we're tracking still for this evening, especially along the border, the southeastern areas, the tops in Okanagan. We've got a line of thunderstorms that are just south of us in the border, but they are bringing in some moisture, so we'll still see that chance of showers. And then it leaves off for the morning hours. Now, as the system starts to push its way uh, to the south, we are going to be seeing another system developing across the northern half, and it's mostly for the central interior and the southeastern corners that we'll be looking at the risk of thunderstorms and the chance of showers once again. It's cloud cover for Metro Vancouver for the morning and then breaks by the afternoon. Upper level forecast and putting this into play by our Saturday, we'll still see that sunshine. And then it's in towards next week that we're anticipating a strong ridge is going to build in. It'll feel summer-like once again, and we're anticipating Temperatures really heating up in towards next week. This week, most areas will be into the low 20s, especially closer to the water. We are going to see some instability tomorrow with the chance of showers across the northern half, inland, a risk of thunderstorms. It'll still be a bright and dry start across the central interior and then a chance of showers for the afternoon. Southeastern corners, risk of a thunderstorm, fantastic for the Thompson Okanagan. Sunny breaks near Kamloops highs, closer to 30 degrees. Cloud cover for the morning hours, a partly cloudy sky. It'll brighten up for us in our five-day forecast. We'll see temperatures into the low 20s, and that'll likely take us in towards the end of the week and the beginning of the weekend. And I wanted to end off with another great shot of the fireworks that were taken in Kelowna. Thank you, David, for this one. Guys? That is beautiful. Well done. Giving Vancouver a run for their money there. Mm. Well done.
All right, the city of La Serena, Chile, normally has a population of 200,000. That swelled to more than a half a million today as some 300,000 people flocked to the city to see today's total solar eclipse. Argentina were the only places the eclipse could be seen, aside from an uninhabited island in the ocean. The moon passing between the Earth and the sun and plunging some communities into darkness for two and a half minutes. The rare celestial show began at about 7.30 our time. As for us, the Canadian Space Agency says the next total solar eclipse visible in Canada will be in April of 2024, but you have to go to eastern Canada to see it. I always forget about the West. What a ripoff. It's like elections yeah. and on. eclipses. <laughs> That's right. Well, well, we'll get a road trip going. We right, need so better <laughs> control over these celestial bodies. That's a nice blazer you got. Thanks. I can't remember which one it is. Okay. All right. Okay. Take it away. Yes. The amount of cap space the Canucks have dropped by almost a million dollars today because they re-signed Tyler Mott. He got a one-year deal at $975,000. So... The Canucks have just under $7.8 million left, and Brock Besser still needs his new contract. And as we said yesterday, his contract is going to eat up the majority of the money that is left. It is clear, if the Canucks want some more guys, new guys that is, are going to have to move out one or two old ones to get more money to spend. Uh, Mott is someone that Travis Green likes a lot. He isn't going to score you a lot of goals. But he can forecheck, and he can work on the penalty kill unit. And best of all, he doesn't cost a lot of money, relatively speaking. He's been a Canuck for 153 games. They got him from Columbus in the Thomas Vanek trade in February of 2018. Well, Ali Adnan is still in Vancouver, but he's kind of a soccer player in limbo. He was loaned to the Whitecaps from his Italian team Udinese, but that loan is done. Now, the Whitecaps, as we have said in the last week or so, have been trying to work out a way to keep him. But the answer has not come as quickly as anyone would like. It's been annoying now for me for one month. Everybody's asking me, and I, I said, when it's confirmed and the, the right side or not, we're going to talk. The Caps are becoming the ultimate waiting game players. Even though his loan technically expired on June 30th, seeing Ali Adnan riding the stationary bike at their training facility is a positive. He's still here, just not signed, sealed and delivered, at least not yet. In soccer, it's very slow. Things are slow. Uh, things all a process. A lot of people involve um, on, on Ali's side and, and our side, it's, it's done, you know, so now it's a little bit out of our control. Um, and it's frustrating because many situations are slow. This is why I think it's so important for a club to have a, a very good scouting department in place that you accel- accelerate the process in situations like that. You anticipate transfer windows um, and not us as a club. In the history of our club, we, we haven't uh, figured that part well enough. Uh, but at least we know and we're very very aware of that's a weakness that we have to, to become better at and we have to fix. Well, we think it's tomorrow when the Raptors get a chance to make their pitch to Kawhi Leonard to sign a new contract with Toronto. The L.A. Lakers and the L.A. Clippers, of course, are also trying to get Kawhi to join them. One man who knows him very well is Raptors assistant coach and basically, if you want to call him this, 
the chief medical officer of the team, Alex McKechnie. First of all, Kawhi is an incredibly professional player. He's one of the most professional athletes I've ever been around. We appreciated his skills on the court. What didn't we see off it that you saw every day? He's, he's actually a fun guy, you know? Yeah, he's a very nice guy, wonderful, incredibly courteous and polite, punctual, you know, everything that, that, that you expect from a professional, um, every aspect of it. Um, very much um, a home guy, you know, like, like just... Just a real, really, real quality individual. Do you guys like your chances heading into tomorrow? Well, I have to say yes, of course, yeah. That's, that's what it's all about right now, him resigning. If it does, you know, we, we've, we've got a, a great shot. England, USA, Lyon, France, semifinals, Women's World Cup of Soccer, and that is Christian Press. Megan Rapinoe could not play because of a hamstring. She came in and scored 10 minutes in. So it's 1-0. Then... The best score on the English side, Ellen White, ties it for the White. So it's 1-1 after only 19 minutes. Then, one of America's best finishers, Alex Morgan, also with the head. 2-1 and then the sipping of tea celebration. Chance to tie it for the English. Steph Houghton's penalty kick, denied. Just like Canada, they're out 2-1. The U.S. are in the final for the third straight year. Speaking of out, uh, Dennis Shapovalov and Jeannie Bouchard both knocked out in round one of Wimbledon today. There you go. All right. Thank you, Squire. You're welcome. Coming up on ET Canada, the very latest on the battle between Taylor Swift and Scooter Braun, plus previews of the Jumanji sequel and the new Scream movie. That is all coming up at 7 right after the news hour. But for now, it's back to you, Chris and Sophie. Thanks very much, Cheryl. All right, so the Capilano Suspension Bridge, it's been around a long, long time. I know. And it's, uh, if you're wondering, it's uh, 230 feet above the river, 460 feet long, and about 1.2 million people per year visit. <laughs> strong but enough to you. hold everybody. But not all yet. All four of us. <laughs> Easily. Actually, it is strong enough to hold. I don't know. We'll tell you how strong. Because here we go. For the past 130 years, there has always been some sort of suspension bridge over the Capilano River. The one you walk across now is the fifth of these bridges, reinforced in 2007 after a tree fell on it in 2006. The cables uh, uh, go right through two giant concrete blocks, one at each end of the bridge, and then they're anchored at the back end of the concrete blocks and those blocks themselves are also anchored down into the ground. Meaning, despite its wobble, the bridge can hold quite a load. So um, we like to say that we can fit 96 elephants on the bridge without fail. So there's no worry that it won't topple over, it's not going to break, but we don't encourage people to jump on it. Here's another fun fact. The bridge and the property around it has always been privately owned and the current owner bought it off her father because she grew up around it. I've been in this forest since 1952, and my first job was scooping ice cream out of a little entry gate just where you came in. When she borrowed money to buy it in 1983, the interest rates were 18%, and she became the sixth person to own one of Greater Vancouver's oldest tourist attractions. 
I tell you, I worked seven days a week for quite a long time to pay off that loan. Big smile, say trees. And that work ethic led to a complete revamping of the park. It became a year-round attraction. But Nancy has a rule. Nothing they build can interfere with Mother Nature. And I think that's what makes us, or is part of our success, because people come from all over the world and then they determine very quickly that in 10 minutes they can be in the most beautiful forest that you can probably find in the world. And because of that, Nancy isn't going anywhere. I keep saying to people, they ask me when I'm gonna retire and I said, they're gonna to have to take me out in a pine box because I'm not going. That's how much I love it. It's a good office, that's for sure. Sure it is, amazing. So I walked over that thing once. Yeah. I think it was 2002. There's a photo of me, and I look very unhappy. <laughs> Squire, for those who haven't heard us mention it before, does have an aversion to heights. Why do you think I'm only five foot seven? <laughs> you look uncomfortable even talking about. Oh no, yeah. I just nervous. Yeah, like yeah, so that drone shot's very nice, but there's no. It wasn't way. you up there. No. <laughs> Looks like back to sunshine for the rest of the week. More cloud cover for the morning, and then sunshine for the afternoon. All right. Thanks for watching, everyone. Have a great night. Good night, all.